Welcome in to the Fog.net podcast. Michael Swain here after Kansas came away with a crucial win in the Sunflower Showdown with a 64-49 victory over Kansas State inside Allen Fieldhouse. The win avenged the loss that Kansas had at Bramlage Coliseum a few weeks ago. And Kansas is still in the hunt for the Big 12 title. This was a game where if Kansas had lost, it basically would have been out of the title race. KU would have had to win out in its final three games and have Kansas State lose its final three games and also have Texas Tech lose two out of its three final games. So this was a really big game for KU, and they came out of the gates pretty slow. Bill Self, you could see him on the sideline, was really motioning for his team to calm down and to kind of settle in to the game. And they really didn't do that. It took them a while to kind of feel out the game. For the first five minutes of the contest, KU didn't get a good look offensively. And they didn't make their first field goal until the 15-23 mark. Now granted, KU did play some halfway decent defense. You could even say solid defense. And Kansas State just so happened to make some shots at the end of the shot clock. But early in that first half, Bill Self was called for a bench warning. I thought that was something that we haven't necessarily seen this season is Bill Self getting some sort of reprimand from any sort of referee. He was furious with Devon Dotson getting a no call when he was being guarded by Barry Brown as he drove to the rim. I looked back at the play on replay. Yeah, he probably got fouled, but it wasn't one of those obvious that it's a it's a travesty that it wasn't called. It was definitely one of those that you could see why they wouldn't call it, but in most circumstances, I believe that it would have been a, a foul. But then at the 14:38 mark, Mitch Lightfoot came in with the score at seven to three with K State up, and I didn't expect this from Mitch Lightfoot. He basically changed the game. He flipped the game on its head, and after he entered the game. KU went on a 20-10 run to really just bust the game wide open. And Lightfoot himself led KU in scoring for a good chunk of the first half with eight points. His first action of the game, he set up a Quentin Grimes three. Then he had a block on Barry Brown that was really nice. He pinned it off the backboard and it started a fast break for KU. It didn't lead to anything, but it was a fast break opportunity for KU to try and get an extra possession on the offensive end. And Mitch Lightfoot in general was just so good in this game. And there's so much you could talk about with what he did for Kansas outside of just bringing his usual energy. He protected the rim. He did. He was solid on the defensive end, guarding man-to-man. KU did something interesting guarding Dean Wade, where if it was Diedrich Lawson on Dean Wade, they would let Diedrich stay one-on-one and try and hold his own. And Diedrich did a really good job in those one-on-one opportunities where it's just him in the mid-post guarding Dean Wade. But then when Wade would post up David McCormick, Mitch Lightfoot, Quentin Grimes, anybody else on the team, they would double-team. And Cave did a really good job on those double-teams. And I thought that Mitch Lightfoot especially, there's one moment that I remember where he was being posted up by Dean Wade and the double came and Lightfoot just immediately put both his hands up just right in the air and got right in the face of Dean Wade and Wade threw the ball away and it gave KU another transition opportunity. And in general, KU's game plan 
was really good, I felt like, especially with the way that they guarded Dean Wade. And I'll get into the defensive scheme KU used in a second here. But just to finish off the Mitch Lightfoot thought, he's a guy that has been through some up and downs this season. There was a good stretch of, through the first kind of chunk of Big 12 games where he was averaging less than 10 minutes a game, and it, he was really just struggling. He didn't play against Kentucky, if I'm remembering that correctly. So it had not been a season that Mitch Lightfoot maybe had expected, considering the fact that Yudoka Azebuke has been out for the majority of this season. But in this game, Lightfoot stepped up, and I talked about it in my post-game wrap-up with where I talked about Mitch Lightfoot and just the way that he took over the game, and for him being a kid from, you know, grew up in Kansas City and then moved to Arizona, but always stayed a KU fan, and then ends up at KU and playing in the Sunflower Showdown. That's something I thought was really cool, and I think that that is one of the happy storylines you could say for this game and maybe for this season so far is that this is a game that Mitch Lightfoot, the, a Kansas kid, grew up a Kansas fan, you know, dreams of playing this game. He's the one that ends up turning the tide for you in this game and possibly turns the tide in the quest for a 15th straight Big 12 title. But so diving into the defensive scheme that KU used, this season I've written about this multiple times, but KU uses this hedge and recover defensive scheme where Bill Self wants his big man to hedge up and stop the ball screen so he basically comes up and stops the guard from getting downhill and then someone on the back end usually a guy from the corner will dig into the lane in order to help keep the roller from getting an easy look at the basket but what that has done for KU is that has left them open on the perimeter for open three-point shots, and against Texas Tech, that was a really big problem. Texas Tech did a really good job of just waiting for, as the roller went down, they knew that Kansas was going to bring someone from one of the corners or from the wing down into the lane to help protect it, and they just waited and picked it apart. So then what Kansas did this game was they switched one through four. So basically any sort of wing and then Diedrich Lawson switched. And the big part about switching defenses is you have to communicate and you have to constantly communicate because you have to know who you're taking, if you're switching, who takes who. Because what K-State did was they threw a lot of bunch sets out there where they would have three guys standing in a very close proximity and then from there they'd move in different directions. But Kansas did a really good job of communicating out of those situations and in general KU did a really good job of defending any sort of set that K-State threw at them and for the most part it felt like to me that K-State got a lot of their points off of improvisation where you know for example I vividly remember Xavier Sneed at the end of the shot clock there was a, a loose ball and he basically just grabbed it and just immediately jumped up and shot it and it was surprising for me that it went in but it's kind of like those shots that were working for K-State but really they just couldn't get any good looks through their offense and I thought that KU did a really good job of just putting them off by changing up their defensive scheme because that's something that KU has done all season is this hedge and recover defensive scheme and then this time they switch and I thought that they did a really good job. I mean, in the second half of the game, so for example, in the first half, K-State shot 45% from the field, 55% from three. They went five for nine on threes. But then in the second half, 
K-State only shot 8 for 35, which is 22%, and 3 of 12 from 3, which is 25%. So in the second half especially, KU's defense really stepped up, and Bill Self said that he liked his team defense in the first half especially, but I thought that in the second half, KU did a really good job of just shutting down K-State. And the biggest thing when you look at the defensive side of this game for KU, in the first matchup, K-State's three seniors, Dean Wade, Barry Brown, and Kamau Stokes, combined for 39 points on 13 of 34 shooting. This time, they only got 24 points on 8 of 25 shooting, along with 7 turnovers. So that's something that KU did a really good job of, is just slowing down the seniors for K-State, because that is their offense. Those three guys are the predominant figures in their offense. They scored the majority of the points, and basically KU, it was Xavier Sneed that, you know, played well against KU the last time out. And then this time he was really ineffective. Three of 11 shooting, only eight points. And in K-State only had one player in double figures, Kamau Stokes, who had 12 points. So just in general, I can't say enough good things about the way that KU played defense in this game, especially coming after a game where they gave up 90 plus points. So moving into my kind of outside of Mitch Lightfoot, my, I guess if you were to say the best player of the game, um, Mitch Lightfoot definitely had the biggest impact on the game. But if you were to say, you know, so-and-so was the best player, honestly, in my opinion, Quentin Grimes was the best player for Kansas. Diedrich Lawson was great. He got his numbers, but it was just an inefficient performance. He didn't shoot the ball really well, 6 of 20 from the field. But Quentin Grimes, I felt like, was so good. On the defensive end, he was communicating. He got burned against Texas Tech, not communicating on a switch that I, that Deidre Glossen even mentioned after the game. He was really active on the defensive end. He was the first to the floor for a loose ball. He was active on the boards. He didn't get a ton of rebounds, but I, I also remember one play in the first half where he, he came down with a really a big offensive rebound. It ended up getting stripped away from him. Um, as he was coming down, it was one of those where you kind of grab the rebound and then as you're coming down, the, someone kind of comes and just kind of pokes the ball away. So I, w- I don't necessarily consider that a turnover just because it's kind of more of a fluke play. So if you want to take that rebound away and take the turnover away, I'm fine with that. But Grimes didn't turn the ball over at all outside of that one play, which has been really a problem for him these past couple games has been his turnover issues. He's had four turnovers in a couple games, and last night I thought that he just did a great job on the defensive end. And then on the offensive end, he shot the ball with confidence. He looked for a shot. I remember him trying to post up Kamau Stokes on two different occasions. He didn't get the ball in that position, but just him putting himself in the position to get the ball in the position to score. I think that is so important for him to be aggressive and looking for the shots that he wants to get instead of just taking whatever shot comes to him. I think that is something that going forward is going to be really interesting to watch is how Quentin Grimes, if he continues to build on this and looks for his shot and says, I'm going to go down in the post and take a smaller guard that is guarding me and try and post him up. He may not always get the ball, but at least trying that will put him in the position to get the ball at least on a few occasions. Outside of that, I thought Deidre Glosson was really good. Um, outside of the fact that he didn't necessarily score the ball efficiently, you know, he got his 17th 
double-double of the season with 18 and 14, five offensive rebounds, nine defensive rebounds, only one foul. I thought that that was going to be really important for KU was if Diedrich Lawson could stay out of foul trouble, especially with him guarding Dean Wade, that was going to be really important for Kansas. And it just so happened that Dean Wade himself fouled out with about three minutes and 30 seconds to play in the game. I continue to be impressed by the way that Diedrich Lawson plays on the defensive end because there are times where he will get bodied by bigger guys like you saw against Kentucky with Reed Travis. But then there are times where he'll go up against guys that are his own size and his hands are just so quick. I mean, he had, I think if I'm remembering correctly, he had a really nice strip against McCall Maywean as he tried to drive into the lane and Lawson just got his hand in there and knocked the ball away, which started a fast break opportunity. But he also had another steal where he was just in the right position. He had a block. Just in general, I thought it was a really good performance from Diedrich Lawson. Not the best scoring night for him, but he really affected the game in every other asset. And, you know, got to the free throw line, five assists. I thought that in general, this was a really solid Diedrich Lawson game. But I thought that if you're just trying to, you know, say who is the best player for Kansas, you know, I thought Quentin Grimes was the best considering how he has played this season. I thought Diedrich Lawson was his usual, got his numbers. He had his, a lot of rebounds. I think his most rebounds since he's had this perimeter-centered role. But in general, really impressed with the way that those two guys played on top of what Mitch Lightfoot gave you. I thought that Devon Dotson had an interesting game. Going against Barry Brown, that's never going to be an easy task for a point guard trying to score the ball. But Dotson still got 16 points on 5 of 12 shooting, 1 of 5 from 3, which I thought, when I looked at that postgame, it didn't feel like he shot 5 threes, but I guess that kind of speaks to the rhythm that he was shooting them in. It didn't feel like he maybe forced up too many, but that's something to watch also going forward is just the volume at which Devon Dotson continues to shoot threes because he's shot a bunch of them these past couple games since Diedrich Lawson has been in this perimeter-centric role. So going forward, I'll be very interested to see how his three-point shooting kind of continues throughout the season. But for Dotson, I thought that what he did on the defensive end guarding Barry Brown was just really, really admirable. He held Brown a 1 of 8 shooting, 4 points total, 2 turnovers, only 1 assist. I think for Devon Dotson to win that matchup against a senior point guard in Barry Brown, I think that that is really important. I think that's maybe more so important than the actual numbers that he put up, but more so being able to win the matchup there was really crucial for KU in this game. A quick word on Marcus Garrett. He banked in a three. Like, what in the world? That was just crazy, and that was a moment that uh, Bruce Weber mentioned after the game as being one of those kind of oh-well moments, and it really was. I mean, Marcus Garrett isn't a guy that shoots a high percentage from three, but for him to contribute with two of four shooting from behind the arc, you know, he didn't take a shot from inside the arc. He finished with six points. I thought it was an okay game for Garrett. Going forward, I'm going to be really interested to see how he plays because Quentin Grimes has been playing better in this role as kind of the secondary ball handler behind Devon Dotson. So I'll be interested to see kind of what Garrett's minutes and what role he plays in the offense going forward. He's always going to give you the really good defense, but offensively, I'm going to be interested to see what Bill Self does to either tweak what he does or to put Marcus in maybe different positions than he's been in this season just because of the fact that Quentin Grimes has shown some flashes of excellence 
with the ball in his hands as of late. Looking at Marcus as more of the ball handler, he had two turnovers and no assists. I thought that was maybe something that I didn't expect from him, is having more turnovers than assists in a game. But it's okay. Key won the game. A lot of guys played well, so it's really just kind of nitpicking the little bits with this performance. Overall, I thought that you know going forward, I'm going to be interested to see how KU does rotation-wise. Ochai Abaji had another lackluster game, if you will. Um, he went scoreless, grabbed two rebounds in the first four minutes of the game, and then only grabbed one after that. I do wonder if maybe a little bit of it is just a, t- a little bit of fatigue. It's not a big thing, but if you think about it, he was supposed to redshirt this season, and then he gets thrown into the fire of a really high-caliber conference in the middle of a conference season. That is something that I think maybe has taken a toll on his body. Not like he needs a week off or needs a rest or something like that, but where it's just at this point in the season, there's just going to be the little wear and tear. He's had this calf problem where he's been wearing this compression sleeve on his calf. So I, I just wonder if a little bit is just a little bit of fatigue and with everyone else playing so well, in this game specifically, that maybe the shots just weren't there for Ochai. And going back to the Texas Tech game, you know, that was also just a game where Ochai kind of just faded out and didn't really feel like he was in the game. So that's just a little thought I have on Ochai. I'm not concerned at all. He is still so athletically talented and so smart and really still an important piece for KU this season that going forward he's still going to be important but I'll be interested to see what his minutes look like going forward because he only played 16 against Kansas State so I'll be interested to see just what the rotations look like now that Marcus Garrett is back and you maybe don't need to play Ochai Abaji the 35 minutes the 30 minutes that he was early in the season maybe you see him kind of settle into a 20 to 25 minute per game role as a starter and being that guy that can still be that energy guy and do be the three and D for KU. But going forward, it's just going to be interesting. That's going to be something to watch as we head down the stretch in the season. That's going to do it for us here today. As always, stay tuned to fog.net for all sorts of great KU basketball content. We have some really good stories up on the website right now. Who stood out, who didn't from Scott Chasen. I have a really fun Mitch Lightfoot story from yesterday. And we'll have some really good stuff coming later this week. I've got a film room I'll do on the defensive scheme that KU used that I talked a little bit about earlier on in the podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at mswain97. And you can follow Scott Chasen on Twitter at Scott. And with that said, we'll talk to you Saturday after the Oklahoma State game. Thank you.